Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Ooh, look (laughs) at you. All right, take the little ones out of the room, plug in your headphones, because today we are talking about sensual or passionate love. We are your hosts, Nick Smith. And Kylie Jo Smith. And this is part three of our series, What the World Needs Now. You're listening to the Nick Smith Podcast. Real life, no myth. Where we talk about myths and misunderstandings. Surrounding life, race, faith, and culture. If you'd like to support the Nick Smith Podcast, rate us on iTunes. Or you can give through our Patreon. And don't forget to share this on social media so that all of your friends can know what you're listening to. Hey, so today we are talking about Eros. Eros, not not Eros. Not Eros. Not archery. No, but Eros. A-E-R-O-S. I was going to spell arrows. Like <laughs> you said not. Arrow. We were talking about arrows. It's the Greek word for uh, passion or sensual or sexual love. Oh, and Valentine's Day is today. Is it? Today's Valentine's I Day? I think so. I don't know. It's coming up. It's, it's coming up. It's somewhere around it's, here. Well, I don't know the date. It's fine. It's, uh, it's in our midst. <laughs> it is. It is nigh. Valentine's is nigh. Day is nigh. Is nigh. Um, and this is an, this is something that we don't talk about a ton in the church. And so we felt it was necessary uh, as we were doing a series on what the world needs now. Is love, sweet love. And if you're married, there is a sweet love that is just sweet for y'all. Sweet regular love. That I mean, there's other loves. But then there's also different <laughs> a, a lot different. different well so as my friend had said when she got married actually she got married before i did mm-hmm. and at our wedding i remember she walked up to me <laughs> i'll never forget her face she's the sweetest little sweetheart mm-hmm. and she goes congratulations i'm so happy for you now you get the best part <laughs> and i just cracked up because i was like oh the best part <laughs> she was like trust me it's the best part <laughs> Well, we do thank God for it. I'm just going to say we do thank the Lord (laughs) for the gifts, the bountiful gifts he has given us. Um, Well, what was funny is when we were planning out this episode, uh, we were talking about the different types of love. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you remember when you're like, okay, there's storge, there's agape, there's phileo, and then there's pornea. I said then pornea. And it goes, that's not a type of love. And I was like, it's Greek though. Like <laughs> it's all I know Greek the word me. is Greek, and he was like, "Yeah, but that's actually the perversion yes. of the love." And I was like, "Which oh. is eros?" Yeah, so pornea, which is where we get the word pornography, mm-hmm. um, or porn, if you're if you're trendy. <laughs> is that the trendy? Uh, way I, to say I don't know. It? If you just don't like saying long words, if I you think just if you you're just, lazy, then you say it's porn. Then you say the porn, right? But. It's the perversion, again, of, of Eros, yes. of the love, of the, the passionate physical love. Yeah, and in, um, in the original language, like when they translate um, Eros into love, it's definitely got the, the context of um, like a passionate love or a um, consensual love, mm-hmm. whereas Eros has like a divergence. Pornea. Sorry, Pornea. thank you. Pornea has like a divergence or a um, perversion or uh, something that changes it that it's makes skewed. it sexually perverse that's generally when you're reading like the bible it's a sexually perverse yeah it's talking about pornea that's the word so the the crazy thing about perversion to exist in order for anything negative to exist um it doesn't exist in and of itself right negative things are a perversion or a twisting of something positive yeah and so you can't have bad if you don't know what good is exactly because all bad is is a twisting of good Mm -hmm. 
And so just like with sin, sin is generally something that is in principle good for you. Mm. Like pleasure is good for you. Joy is good for you. Um, like all these things are good for you. But when you go about that good in a way that's not what God designs. Uh, using that, it, using a good thing for the wrong reason. Exactly. Then it, then it turns into sin. Then it's something yeah. bad. And yeah. so when we're talking about uh, Eros, we're talking about um, the way God designed human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to give some, um, not disclaimers, but just yeah. kind of go into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there's like this analogy that's used a lot when talking about sex. Uh, it's fire in a fireplace, right? Mm-hmm. Fire is a tool. Fire is fire great. Is fire. <laughs> That's fire. Fire is fire. It is fire. It's hot. Uh, <laughs> Good. When you're cold. Mm. Just cook stuff. Get you some of that. Warms Useful. it all up for you. Uh, <laughs> and so, but fire is good only in the proper places. So fire in the fireplace. Awesome. Fire on the stove. If you have a gas stove. Awesome. Yeah. Fire um, on your couch. In your neighbor's yard. In your neighbor's yard. Not good. Bad day. Yeah. That's a bad day. Yeah. And so sex is is like that. It is uh, it is designed specifically for your good. Mm-hmm. But when it is used outside of its design, mm-hmm. it actually can cause damage and bring terrible mm-hmm. consequences. Yes. Uh, you had said in the last episode, in part two, um, kind of the, the joke on on stage or on set would be like anything can be a hammer. Mm-hmm. You can use anything to get the job done. Oh yeah. And I think there's a little bit of, of our culture that has adopted that idea with sex. Oh yeah. You can use anything to get the job done because there's a, mm. there's a technical aspect to it. It's very, sometimes it feels very emotionless. Yeah. Very because in- it's a, it's about, it's about the orgasm. Like that's yes, the whole, that's point. the whole goal is to get to, and that's, we even call it a climax. We want to build to this, this precipice of something, mm-hmm. um, and that, that physically gives us a release. And so we, we tend to think like, well, as long as you get the job done, yeah. but as you, I think you pointed it out in that last episode, just because you get the thing done with the other thing, <laughs> just because it fits. Okay. Let me say that does not mean that it's meant to go there. To go there. I'll just say that much and let you fill that in for yourself. Um, <laughs> There's all sorts of puns. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I did that. <laughs> um, yeah, Eros, and when you're thinking about sexuality, especially from a Christian point of view, um, sex is good. Sex is designed by the Lord for us, for our pleasure, for our good. Yeah. Um, and it is a type of love that we experience, that forms us, that shapes us, just like we've talked about phileo, we've talked about... Um, storge. Storge. It's a type of love mm-hmm. that that shapes and forms us. But Eros is not like the pinnacle love. No. Like, it's not the best love out there. It's not um, the type of love that we define ourselves with. No. It's not even actually mentioned in Scripture. Right. Another another one of these, like, types of love that as Christians we we value and we, we really need to teach more. But it's not something you can go to Scripture and look up in your Greek New Testament and, and find, find it. Yeah. Um, it. It's There's implications of it in the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning. There's um, images of it throughout Scripture. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that you can point to and say, well, that's the Scripture right there that tells me that I need to be having sex. Yeah. And when, when you talk about sex in the New Testament, it's always referring to the um, Hebrew understanding of sex, mm-hmm. which is yada, which is to know. It's a, mm. It has a deep intimacy of knowing the other person. And so as New Testament believers, when we're reading Christian writings about sex, it's normally taken from Jewish, first century Jewish people and their understanding of yada, like to, yeah, to, know, to know the other. Yeah. And we also know that sex is reserved for the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a necessary element for marriage. Mm-hmm. 
it is not the defining element of marriage. Yeah, it's something that, so if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the way that marriage was um, kind of spelled out in the law, there was an understanding that marriage consummated. Yeah. And marriage was, I mean, even there are some of the laws that um, if you look at, I think it was in Leviticus when we were just reading it uh, a few nights ago. Yeah. Um, talking about the, uh, if a man has sexual relations with a virgin, mm-hmm. that he has to marry her. There's, yeah, that's, there was this, that's basically marriage. Yeah. So, so there's an understanding of sex being a, and kind of an institutional part mm-hmm. of marriage. But again, it's not, it's not the end all be all. Yeah. It's not the only thing. And and we've heard, you, you probably heard many people say like sex can't hold a marriage together. No, definitely. Um, and it isn't a reason to get married and no. it isn't a reason to, um, it's also not a reason to not get married, yeah. but it's something that we tend to put a lot more weight on that being, um, Again, the the precipice of of the relationship. I think I, I love when you said it's not a reason to to get married because I've seen so many young folks in college, especially Christian colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've gone to a Christian college, you know that they joke sometimes that women go there for the MRS degree, the Mrs. degree. In case you didn't catch that. What about the um, men? They can go there for the MR. They can, but they're all men are always Mister. Isn't that super sexist? So sexist. Like men are always Mister, but women anyway. Um, that's another episode, (laughs) whole different episode, but the idea of like, if I get married, Mm. then like, then sex is the goal. Yeah. In order to have sex, I must get married. Exactly. And if all I'm looking for is sex, then I have to get married. So marriage becomes the obstacle to achieve the goal. Yeah. The spouse becomes the, um, device. Yeah. The vehicle. Yep. And so let's talk about the, the purpose of sex. Like, like why God gave us sex. Okay, so um, the Sunday school answer. And Jesus. The answer, because of Jesus. Wait, what? <laughs> what does Jesus it, have to do with sex? I don't, I don't know. See, Jesus is um, always the Sunday school answer. Yes, but in, a, in that one, it's a little weird. <laughs> it um, don't fit. But no, in, in, in the church, we, we tend to emphasize procreation. Mm. Um, and it's like this thing that Definitely. we tell people even. The women, we tell them your duty and your responsibility in this marriage now mm-hmm. is to procreate, which I... I, I won't downplay the beauty and the role of motherhood and yeah. in creating a family and raising it. That's, that's an amazing thing. And yes, we are called to be image bearers. We are called to uh, create image bearers. Yeah. Um, not in be our image. and multiply. Yes, that's part of it. Yeah. But I think it's gotten so overemphasized that yeah. the only thing that your family, that your marriage exists to do is to create little people. And well, that's what sex is for. And the history of the church, specifically the Catholic church and their teachings, um, but it goes all the way back to before the church is split. Um, a teaching of the church has been the only reason to have sex is to procreate. Basically, like there should always be um, unprotected, free and fruitful sexual intercourse. But like, that it shouldn't be too good. Yeah, well, that's kind of the subtext. But what yeah. the, the teaching is like, sex is for baby making. That's it. Mm. You want babies. That's what you do. That's it's kind of like the necessary, not evil, the necessary good in order to <laughs> it's like bring, you're gonna have to make kids but hey there's this fun way you get to do it exactly but like the truth is if you go back and you read genesis right genesis 2 24 mm. through 25 um this is after god creates eve and um adam sees her and adam says and he sees that she is good oh he's like what's happening like she's he, naked yeah they both naked they, they, yeah but i mean like his nakedness and so <laughs> He looks at her and he says, finally, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Um, I will call her Isha because she came from me. She's like, mm. I will call her woman. She came from man. Mm. And um, then the scripture says that um, for this reason, they became one flesh. A man will become one flesh with his wife. 
Uh, and then it goes on and says, and they were naked and un- unashamed. Yeah. So if you just read through that, you just kind of read past, you don't even really take much time on it. For this reason, they became one flesh and blah, blah, blah. You don't understand that there's an example yeah. for this reason. Well, what's the reason? We have to ask, what's the context here? Mm-hmm. What's the reason yeah. that it is said they become one flesh? And what is what is the implication of them being naked and unashamed? Yep. Like what, just even today looking at our own experience and we have this with our, our little kids. I mean, mm-hmm. they already know that like, I don't want anyone to, Isaiah is very, like, he just kind of developed this. Like, I don't want anybody to see me in my underwear. Yeah. Without Mommy, us don't. having Mommy, to I need teach privacy. him that. And it's like, he just knows it. Yeah. But in this, in this beautiful design that mm. God, <laughs> God gave us, there was no shame no. in being physically naked. This wasn't uh figurative nakedness metaphorical nakedness they were both buck naked bucky buck and naked and the um the understanding as you read this is that when god created them um this was their marriage this because this is the marriage verse that we go Mm -hmm. back to that jesus quotes when um the pharisees and sadducees ask about marriage he goes back to genesis um 224 and he says uh for this reason does a man leave his uh mother and father and all that stuff right um but we kind of forget like, okay, that was a marriage. Mm-hmm. And then they got to experience the fruit of marriage, the joy of marriage. And so basically what we're saying is um, pleasure is part of why we were given sex. Yes. Like God, we've, we miss this fact because of how much shame has been put on sex and how sex has been taken outside of the marriage bed mm-hmm. and sex has been um, glorified and has been plastered all over everything and used to sell products. We miss that, that the devil didn't create sex. <laughs> right. Like, Satan didn't <laughs> add any pleasure sensors. It wasn't like God yeah. created this really boring, sanitized thing. And then Satan came along and was like, this is really going to mess him up. Let me give him some. <laughs> when some he of, touches her there. Oh, uh, they're going to be so caught sin. up in it. Yeah. No, like Satan didn't invent erogenous zones. Right. Right. And even Amen. looking at the word erogenous zones. Eros, Eros. is like the, the root word of mm-hmm. that. And like that was all designed by God. And it was designed to function in a specific way. Yeah. Like there's a reason. And for those of you who are, are, are married or uh, like you, you understand this anatomy. Um, there's a reason certain things work the way that they do. It's, mm-hmm. it's designed that way. It's natural. You don't have to necessarily muster up something um, to, to make it work in that way. And it's, mm-hmm. it's because it was designed in order yeah. to create um, and or enhance pleasure. Yeah. And then also looking at... Um, the gift of, of sex being given to marriage, mm-hmm. right? This is uh, for my single folks out there who don't know what this is about. Um, marriage is difficult. Yeah. In Christian culture, marriage has become this, um, this idol. Uh, yeah. People worship at the, at the shrine of marriage that people are, are especially young women, are taught mm-hmm. that marriage is what validates them, that they're always seeking for a spouse, yeah. that they're always working for this, this thing that they don't really even fully understand, but they're just told, you got to go after that, get mm-hmm. marriage. Um, but once you are committed to someone and you say your vows through sickness and through health till death do us part, like you don't say through good times and bad because there won't be bad times. Right. Like you say it because there will be bad times. There will be sickness. There will be heartache. There will be difficulties Mm -hmm. when two people who are so different have to learn how to become one. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as you're navigating the difficulties of marriage, um, specifically Christian marriage, because you're also fighting all the the stuff yeah. outside of your marriage that's trying to distract you and bring you down and just stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Sex is a gift that God blesses those who are called to marriage mm-hmm. because we also uh, misunderstand that in church culture. We say, oh, are you called to be single? When yeah. when you read scripture, 
It's so, are you called to be married? Yeah, singleness is the standard. Yeah. Marriage is the calling. Yeah. And so like if you're called to marriage, there are certain blessings that come with that. Just like if you're called to any other mission field, there are blessings that yeah. you experience in that mission field you don't experience otherwise. Yeah, I would I would look at it as like respite. Um although a respite has kind of a connotation of like resting and kind of not doing anything and sex is definitely not a place where you do nothing. <laughs> you, you should both um, be doing something. You should, be, you should both be actively <laughs> participating in it. But um it is that respite. I know mm-hmm. there have been there have been many seasons where um goodness, we've had death in our family. Mm-hmm. We've had financial uh, issues. We are, we've both been in school. We've both been doing different things, motherhood and shifts and changes in hormones and all those things. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's constant things like having a partner to go through that with. It's wonderful relationally and to mm-hmm. be able to talk through things and have that face to face time. But then there are some things that cannot be worked out with words. Yeah. There are some things and I'm not talking about the, the like kiss and make up. That's not, I don't, I don't think that's the only thing that that can be um, that sex can be for a marriage. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about, oh, my goodness, I'm so stressed. I'm like I'm physically just exhausted or I'm physically strained mm-hmm. and I'm mentally overwhelmed and I'm all these things are on my plate. And there I mean, there's just there's some things that don't have a remedy yeah. um, outside of the marriage bed. And I certainly I don't want you to hear that as sex fixes anything. Yeah. But when you are going through those cycles, and I remember you had talked about in Every Man's Battle, mm-hmm. that book talks about men have a cycle as well. Women have a cycle hormonally mm-hmm. that we have a, a building up of hormones that does need to be released yeah. in some way. And if it doesn't, there are certain things that tend to happen uh, emotionally and physically yeah. that make it harder for us. And so sex can be that thing that gives respite in a marriage, yeah. especially if you're both going through something that you share not only that, that struggle, mm-hmm. but you also get to share that victory, yeah. um, in the bedroom, <laughs> in be the victorious. Bed. But, and then there's also the, the knowing, right. The, mm-hmm. the intimacy level that is necessary because you can, you know, people or you should know people, you know, your person, you know, a person, you know, a person, um, intellectually, you get to know them spiritually and you get to grow together. And then that, that physicality of coming together as one, it adds a deeper level to intimacy mm-hmm. in such a way that, that just having a conversation doesn't do. Yeah. And so that, that oneness is it, we are physical and spiritual beings. Yes. And so you can be on the same page, you can agree on everything, but God has blessed us with a, a way to physicalize our union mm-hmm. so that we experience on all levels, what it means to be uh, be one, be of yeah. one flesh. And what's interesting is going back to the story of Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. when they were expelled from the garden, Yeah, uh, it's after that, that they ended up having children. Yeah. And so um, I think it's something funny that we, we joke about, like, or we don't joke about it. I've said it before. It's always funny to me when people say to a young couple, like, are you trying to have children? I think it's a really personal question. You <laughs> Get out of my business. Are you, are you having a lot of sex right now? Is that what you guys are doing? <laughs> like, are you trying? What? No, stop asking that. But yeah, that's weird. if you don't think about that. it with Adam and Eve, they got kicked out of the garden. Mm-hmm. They're going through that, like, like I don't know, a frustration with themselves, with one another, um, and yeah. the fact that they can't be in paradise with the Lord anymore. But yet, mm-hmm. they still have the gift of sexual intimacy that yeah, they God enjoy. Never, never took that gift from them, right. even in their fallen state. Like, and so we see that sex was present before the fall, yeah, and it's present after the fall, yeah. And even uh, the verse where God, 
you know, curses Eve and says, mm-hmm. uh, your labor pains will be increased. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say I now will give you labor pains. Right. It says like there, this was always the plan mm-hmm. that sex would bring about children and that, that, that birthing process would be a physical process. And mm-hmm. so, um, this was always the plan. It wasn't like, well, they fell, throw them a bone, give them yeah. sex. It's like, I but guess. now that that pain will be increased because of that separation. Yes. And so, uh, one of the things that that Christians struggle with, at least in our experience and in ministry and talking to other believers is, uh, the church's silence on sex. And there was a sexual revolution in like, was the sixties, right? Was Mm -hmm. the big sexual revolution. Uh, Yeah. And so, and ever since then there's been increasing over sexualization Mm -hmm. in our culture and in our society, in our world really. And the church's, um, generic stance of silence on it is, is detrimental to the Christian. Um, it's it it hurts the Christians appreciation and understanding of sex. Mm-hmm. And so like as a, a believer, as someone who is in the body of Christ, we have to know about what God says. Mm-hmm. We have to know what God says about sex. That's there what we go. Say. Yeah. And we become so reactive. Like I think mm, yeah, there's good. a lot of things that we we te- we teach really well that we kind of proactively try to prepare people for mm-hmm. in life. Um, but but we don't do it well with sex. I think, I think yeah. proactively we just kind of teach, um, you know, don't do it, I guess is yeah. one of the things, but we've, we've contributed with our passivity and our reactiveness in the church. We've can, we have actually contributed to higher abortion rates mm. and sexual abuse and wow. incest and confusion about sexuality and identity. We've contributed to that because we have swept problems under the rug. We've Mm. actually, even some of the signs that you can look for um, of abuse or trauma, we've kind of ignored those or said, well, you know, I don't think that's a big deal when, because the sexual act is so intimate, it Mm -hmm. is truly knowing it's something that um, it's vulnerable. Yeah that does affect the core of a person when it is misused or when it is treated improperly. And so we can't take instances of sexual abuse or um, uh, overt promiscuity and kind of just shove that um, to the way, to the wayside and say, it's not a big deal. It's just a phase. They'll grow out of it. And we no, we have to address what this means for that person because there's something there that's been fractured. If, if we notice that, that it's not within the covenant relationship, Mm -hmm. And we have to, we, as a church, we have to be able to say, okay, what happened that has damaged this for this person and how can we help restore them Yeah, and gently? And part of what you said about, um, we've contributed to these things. It's, you know, sin, there's sins of omission and sins of commission, right? Mm-hmm. So there's sins of you doing st- stuff and then sins of you should have done something. You didn't do anything. Yeah. And so our contribution to these issues is actually a sin of omission Yeah. because we've created a vacuum, an information vacuum, mm. right? Like there's an information gap where you're not having these discussions inside of the church. Like, I mean, just think about the last time you had a conversation about sex with a Christian, not someone who says they're a Christian, but you mm-hmm. guys are having a separate conversation about worldly sex. I mean, from a Christian standpoint, when's the last time you had a conversation a God honoring, a God honoring conversation. Yeah. Not lust filled where you're talking about, Ooh, did you see such and such? No, like a God honoring conversation about the purpose of sex, the joys of sex, the, mm. the honoring of Godness of sex, mm-hmm. right? We, we don't do that as a, as a Christian culture. And so we've created this gap, which if there's a, a void, right? Those mm-hmm. of you who took science and, and all that, if there's a vacuum, nature will not allow a vacuum. It will be filled. Mm-hmm. And so if you leave an information void, Somebody, you're going to fill that void with something. Mm -hmm. And so where do you seek information, right? 
Cosmo, the internet. Your friends. Your friends. Your friends' parents. Skinamax. You know what I mean? HBO. HBO. Like, you're going to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And wouldn't we as a church want our our little disciples that we're making, mm-hmm. wouldn't we want people to understand what sex is in the context of its design? Yeah, where it's safe. That's the thing is, in I really am thankful that we have, like our family, we have, we've kind of built a culture where we want our kids to learn about things in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. We want them, like if they're going to be disappointed about something, we want them to be disappointed to where we can help them navigate that. Yeah. And we can be there to answer those questions they have. Mm-hmm. We don't want to leave things for the world to explain to them because that's what happens. As you pointed out, that's what's happened with sexuality and with sex in general. Um, and, and honestly, like the the church owns sex. Yeah. Like sex doesn't own us. For, first and foremost. First and for, it's not controlling us. It's not driving us. But we should be the foremost authorities yeah. on sex. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Christian couples... Uh, should be the ones having the best sex. Yes. Not to not to brag. Yeah. <laughs> not to, but the truth is, like, as a believer, like God has ordained and blessed. And so not only do you have the physical blessing of sex, but you also have the spiritual blessing of sex mm. where that oneness, um, because those of you who have experienced sex outside of marriage understand the emptiness that's present. Yeah. The spiritual emptiness where you think you're gonna be on this high, then afterwards you're like, okay, that was fine for a second, and mm-hmm. now I'm back at this this low. But when you have sex in the bonds of marriage and the bounds of marriage. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the best, like it's the most fulfilling Yes, and you shouldn't ever be afraid of, of that being true. Like mm-hmm. as a believer, don't, don't be afraid of people knowing that, that you're having sex with Trust, your spouse. Listen, if you have children in the church, they know, we know you had sex. Hopefully we we're understand. hoping it was fulfilling. And I, yes, I hope it was, but there shouldn't be that weird, like, yes, we have children, but we've never had sex. Like there's, a, it's almost <laughs> like, especially with older couples, it feels like, Yes, we had children, but but we I never touched her. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like no, we know you. We get it. It's a, it's good. It is such a good yes. and God honoring thing to acknowledge that you love and have uh, respect for and admiration for your spouse. But yeah. it's also God honoring to say, I think my spouse is highly attractive, and I I hit that. <laughs> Like it's, it's okay. And you don't have to say it in that way. You probably shouldn't say it. Don't that say it in, in that way and don't say it around children like that. Especially if you're like a pastor. Be but like, there should be. Give an honor to God and the first lady, by the way, I hit that. Uh, <laughs> please, don't, please don't embarrass your wives or your husbands in that way. That's but hilarious. But there should be, um, goodness, we shouldn't have pride about it. Yeah. But we should definitely not be ashamed That's right. of the fact that we we experience sex and we experience it to the fullest. Yeah, no, and and when we have the shame, then we stray away from it. We stray mm-hmm. away from those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that that sex belongs to the the marriage bed, the, mm-hmm. the God-honoring one man, one woman marriage bed. Yeah. And so yeah. as you are defining sex, not, not letting the world define it, you define it through scripture, how scripture calls us because God designed it, so let mm. him define it. Oh, bars. That was good. Bars. Anyway. uh, So yes, make, make sure you don't let the world define. Yes. And I think there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, goodness, there's so many technicalities and there's like mechanisms and things with sex Mm -hmm. that it's like, Oh, I I don't want to talk about that. Well, you you don't have to talk about that, Mm -hmm. but you can talk about, the spiritual aspects and the relational fulfillment and the health benefits of it. Cause there's plenty of those as well. Um, there's lots of things in the church that we can talk about that we don't have to worry about the nitty gritty details. And there's, there are professionals who deal with nitty gritty details. If you need, um, if you need that kind of counsel. And there should also be safe spaces for, um, older 
believers in the faith to talk about those mm-hmm. things, even if it is the technical nitty gritty stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in because again, you're going to go somewhere to find that information. Right. Wouldn't you rather someone who can teach you from a God honoring place? Like, okay, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. This is how this whole thing works. This is yeah. the whole setup. There's nothing wrong with this. Mm-hmm. This is God honoring. Yeah. Um, and so you have to know that that sex is part of the relationship. It is a sacred part of of your being mm-hmm. um and it is it is good it is beautiful but we don't let it become our identity we yeah. don't let it be the pinnacle of our life in yeah. and of itself yeah and our marriages uh should be filled and overflowing with that mutual affection yeah and that that passion yeah. and that that physical um connection mm-hmm. oh my goodness that all rhymed hey hey I, check I, you out I did, i'm a poet i wasn't even aware that rhymed <laughs> Um, <laughs> but truly the there should be evidence. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I know that, um, in some churches, PDA is really frowned upon yeah. because teenagers, you don't, there, there's like a, I don't want to encourage teenagers to hold hands or something. But teenagers do a lot more than that. Like they do. And, and I think we need to stop pretending that they're not going to just because anyway, so, um, yeah. and not condoning it, but I'm just saying we, we have to be more comfortable with like. Hey, if you want to hold your wife's hand in service or put your arm around her, you want to give kiss. your husband a kiss. Yeah. Like those are things that should not be shameful in Mm-mm. the ch- in the church building, in the sanctuary, because God ordained and blessed marriage. Yeah. And when we have a couple who is willing to share that with the world and minister, mm-hmm. it's truly ministering to the church with that. That should be applauded. It should be commended. It is. And know that a sexless marriage is not something like you're not honoring God by that, by saying Mm-mm. like, we're so like putting the board between you like they used to do back in the Puritan days and, you know, pushing your beds apart and being like, listen, we're not, no, if, if you're having a sexless marriage, it is, I'm not going to say it is a sinful marriage, but it is most likely a sinful marriage because scripture tells us don't give the devil a foothold Mm -hmm. by abstaining, by holding out physical affection, by holding out on, on Eros, right. Mm -hmm. On holding out on sex Mm -hmm. from your spouse, because um, actually Paul says, if you're going to abstain, do it only for a time of prayer yeah, and, and then come back together. Otherwise you're going to give the devil a foothold. And he, also, he emphasizes the mutuality of that. That's right. He doesn't say you have to cut off your spouse for a time. Yeah. Make them abstain. Yeah. It's both, both the people actually making that decision together. Yeah. I think that's really good. Yeah. And so moving from the, the information gap, right? Yeah. Another issue that um, I know we've discussed before is that the church has this weird, um, maybe not the church, but Christian culture has this weird concept of just flipping the switch. Like Mm. pre-marriage, you should be naive and virginal. But as soon as you get married, there's an expectation that you- Flip that switch. You better start delivering. You better go. Make it happen. And it's impossible to do that when you put that much pressure on two people. Um, One, it makes it really, really hard to abstain. Yeah. Because the more, and, and it's not just the forbidden fruit thing, but the more you make something untouchable, but then kind of delay, like, well, someday you'll get to have it. You mm-hmm. know, one of these days you'll get to try it out. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, but, and that, it, it almost builds the anticipation in an unhealthy way. Yeah. And gives a false impression of what sex is going to be like, because chances are the more you build it up, if um, two virginal people come together who have uh, have no idea what they're doing, have never been uh, taught properly, they're going to be more disappointed by the end of the act because yeah. I couldn't even get this to work that <laughs> I've been told is going to be this amazing thing. It's going to be yeah. the best part. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's setting people up again for failure in the church. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's just interesting that we 
emphasize that a lot for women. Yeah, mostly especially, men. Especially it's like okay, women. well, I mean, if you have a few times before married, you know, it's you know, it's just kind of normal. But yeah, men, girls, don't like, you eh. dare, don't yeah. you dare. Oh no, because uh, women's virginity is uh, kept as the value center of the church. Yeah, it's like if because purity, exactly. virginalness, yeah. exactly, and yeah. so it's this don't like no no no. No, don't you dare. Don't you think about it. Now go do and it. And then all of a sudden when, I mean, I'm sure some women have heard this. As soon as you get married, mom who's been telling you, you can't have a boy in your room. You can't talk to anybody on your phone. I'm not going to ever talk to you about sex. And then as soon as you get married, it's like, when are we going to have grandbabies? It's like, wait whoa, a second. Slow down, mom. I'm just, I now, just now figured out what the male yeah. anatomy is. I'm still dealing know. with the shame you put on me for, from all these <sighs> years of, of having to deal with my flesh. But anyway. I'm afraid to put on lingerie, mom, because I was... <laughs> Because but, those are the devil's panties. Well, right. I mean, we laugh at it, but it, it really is something that a lot of, I think, women in particular in the church um, yeah. have been burdened with that. And you're right. True. It's shame. It's reproach. And it, it needs to be rebuked in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. I think um, yeah. what people will need to understand is um, the goal of marriage has never been for two um, virginal people to come together and then be experts. Like, that's never been the goal. It'd be cool if that if it worked that way. But. I don't I don't think it would be cool. Really? I don't because the the way it was designed is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, God is awesome. He's got it figured out. But when two people who are novices um get to invest a lifetime together mm. and they get to learn each other and they get to uh develop a, a language, a love language with each other that no one else knows and and they're mm. building it from the ground yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, they're not showing up being like, "Oh, well this is what this is my thing. This is what I do." Well, this is my, mm-hmm. these are my moves. It's like, no, it's not about you. Right. You're, you're learning each other. Yeah. And it's, I love that scripture says like, it's not about, um, your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your spouse. Yes. And so yeah. the goal is never for you to just show up and be like, all right, get ready. Cause I'm about to do my thing. It's like, no, you're there to serve. Mm-hmm. You're there to, to join together and mm-hmm. to have this conversation. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think also we have to stop looking at sex as a means to an end. We mm-hmm. talked about that in the very beginning, like seeing it as just this way to accomplish the the pleasure that I need. Yeah. Um, that, that creates pleasure seekers out of us, mm-hmm. which um, is hedonism when you're only seeking your own pleasure. Yeah. Um, and there is a type of Christian hedonism that we have with the Lord where we're constantly seeking pleasure in him. Who's that Piper? Um, yeah. John that Piper is, said that's that. That's his thing. Uh, and it's, it's, uh. it's really deep and heady and, but it's, it's beautiful too. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is, um, kind of a, a marriage hedonism that can happen where I'm seeking pleasure in my spouse and I'm also seeking to be pleasure for my spouse. Yes. And that's good. Um, but when we, when we create that foothold for the enemy, mm-hmm. um, within the, the marriage bed, there, there's temptations in pornography, extramarital yes. sexual relationships, mm-hmm. depression, adultery. anxiety, yeah, yeah. adult, adult trees. Um, <laughs> and then there's that, that anxiety of performing at a certain level yeah. when it's all about one person's pleasure and not the other ones, or it's all about just making sure or ego. Yes. Then then I'm now I'm worried that I'm not going to perform well enough. And now I've brought worry into this thing yeah. that's not supposed to have worry and anxiety wrapped up in it. And now that's I'm right. not thinking I'm not th- in, a, in the right headspace. And for women, I don't know if you're listening to this, you're like, man, yeah, the headspace thing is huge because if my mind cannot be focused in this moment, if mm-hmm. I'm too busy thinking about all these other things, my body is not going to relax. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not going to be able to fully submit and surrender to this experience. Yeah. And um, I, honestly, I think, for men also being corrupted by pornography and, and mm-hmm. constantly inundated with images yes. that are tempting and Always. the expectation that your wife would, would be that, that vixen for you, that sexual outlet yes. for you all yeah. the time. 
is then it, it's also met with that that reality that we're both complex creatures mm-hmm. and uh eros is not meant for one to only be pleased and yeah. the other one to always be not giving. in the christian context it's not, not in the christian context yeah it if, doesn't work that way and i know um i know from a man's point of view that is a huge struggle and that leads a lot of men um, outside of their marriage bed, whether it's to pornography or to an OnlyFans site or to mm. whatever, like it leads them out of that because um, what they've been told is hold it, hold all this sexual tension in, and then as soon as you're married, that's the purpose your of wife's marriage. Help you is, out with yeah, that. you just all of your lust issues. You now focus on her when it's not about the lust. It's a there's a lack of information about the knowing mm-hmm. and about how arrows, how sex within marriage is not only about your pleasure, but it it's it's deeper than that. There's yeah. so many different levels. Yeah, to it's it. not always it's not only in the bedroom, and I don't mean that in a weird kinky way. <laughs> but I'm saying um, I remember Tommy Nelson talked about in a series on Song of Solomon, mm-hmm. which is where that that line from that poem came from uh, at the very beginning. Song, Song of, of Solomon, Solomon yeah. actually from scripture. Um, but he was describing um, just in his own marriage. He was like, you know, uh, we use the term foreplay in, mm-hmm. in talking about sex. He's like, foreplay isn't something that's reserved for the bedroom. He was like, you've got to understand men, husbands specifically. Sometimes the the most you know sensual thing you can say to your wife is, "Honey, let me put the kids to bed tonight, and you go take a shower, and I'll you know I'll straighten up the house." Let and- me, I, you know what? In that vein, I saw a, <laughs> uh, I saw something on the internet, a meme, I think, and it was like uh, pictures that boys think their their wives want, uh-huh. and it was like a dude with his shirt pulled up, and it was like pictures that men know their wives want, and this dude had a picture of him like sweeping the floor yes. and, and like taking out the trash, doing oh, the dishes, yes. taking th- selfies, like yeah, sending this to right. my wife while and- she had her board meeting. <laughs> and see, there's there's parts of it that like the the pleasing one another doesn't only become physical, yeah. And in fact, there's a lot of it that you build up in that you um, the the flirting and the playing different things and and saying things like that. I'm gonna take care of the house. You don't worry about it. You go mm-hmm. take a bubble bath. That is all, it's all part of it. It's all, it's all part of the, the building up to this experience that you yes. have together. It's not, okay, wife, now it's time. It's, it's, it's Wednesday. It's that time, honey. It's time for you to give me what I need. Yeah. And for her, it's like, oh, it's time for me to do my duty. Yeah. No. Like, okay, I saw the look you gave me earlier. Already know. I know what you said. I know Already what you were known. doing. I know, I know why done. you cooked dinner the way you did. I know exactly what I'm you not, were doing. You now, get cooked over my steak here. just right. I'm right. already like, knowing. We're, we're uh, in this together. <laughs> I think it's important for us, um, before we get to practicality, just to mm-hmm. drive home, it's important for us to yes. teach young believers especially um, it doesn't mean young in age, just mm. young believers, people who are new to the faith, uh, that sex is good, that sex is God designed. There's a mutuality to it if it's kept within the bounds of marriage. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about service to the other person. It's all about seeking their good mm-hmm. above your own. Yes. And it's all about um, honoring God in the process. Yes. And I know sometimes people are like, how do you do that? You know what? After you and your spouse have had your intimacy together, close in prayer. I know that sounds very churchy. But thank you, God, Even for my Even just spouse. thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Yeah, you just, that's a that's a simple enough prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it was, just amen. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> was that was amen. your prayer. Amen, Lord. Amen. The two hands came together. Oh, amen. Oh, that's from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, you should look it up. It's really It's sensual. a book by a dude. All right, so let's move on to practicality. Yes. And I don't mean practicality like that, Nasty. That's I'm not talk- that's not the kind of podcast this <laughs> I'm is. I'm talking about how can I appreciate the beauty of eros, of sexual intimacy. Yes. So first, you have to submit 
eros, sex, and passion to the Lord. Mm, so important. This is something like you got to just pray, Lord, help me to it's submit for everybody. this to you. And if you're single, what that what that can involve is um, having other single friends, but also having mm-hmm. married friends, mm-hmm. having people who can uh, show you what a healthy marriage looks like. Yes. Um, and also, you know, not giving the enemy a foothold. Here's the thing. Images are powerful. Yes. Um, even stories and rhetoric are powerful. Um, yeah. Locker room talk, those kinds of things can lead us down a path of um, lusting and coveting after things that are not ours, that are not ours for this season. And yeah. so um, I would encourage you to surround yourself with godly people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also and to accountability. Ha- yes. Accountability is essential. Need it. Not just for men. Women, we need accountability as well. Amen. Because sexual intimacy... Um, you know, we, we may think that we're not engaging in anything wrong by not actually having sex with someone, but entertaining thoughts, um, having kind of those emotional affairs with people that can also be, um, an area that leads us astray in sexual intimacy down the road. And so I would encourage you to have an accountability partner that you trust, that you can talk through these things with regularly. Somebody you can call when you're struggling with lust, when you're struggling Mm -hmm. with temptation Yeah, and you need to prioritize. This is for uh, single folks as well as married folks, actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you need to prioritize the significance of healing sexual wounds or trauma. Yes. So if you uh, deal with that, if you've had a traumatic sexual experience or um, you've been um even if you had some before marriage. Yeah. And, or yeah, multiple partners or mm-hmm. one partner or whatever. If you've just, you've got something, some baggage, emotional baggage mm-hmm. that is weighing down this topic for you. you you've got to prioritize healing yes. in that area. Yes. And with a professional, hopefully that's yes. probably the best. Um, if you are married mm-hmm. here, here's a, a big one is uh, first you got to repent Come on. of any selfishness that you've had in the bedroom, outside the bedroom, any kind of anxiety or bitterness you have towards your spouse, anything you've been holding onto that has prevented you from letting them know you, from from yeah. them having that yada experience with you. And then look for ways to serve them. I know that sex mm, doesn't so seem, I mean, it may seem like um, a weird place to say that we serve one another, but we really do. Straight up, that's what you um, do. Even when scripture talks about um considering others needs more than your own. Yeah. The uh, other scriptures like that. It's not isolated to outside of the marriage bed. That's something we, we, we are holistic Christians. Come on. And so we take take those scriptures and apply them to every area of our lives. And certainly in marriage and in the bedroom, it is important to do that as well. That's good stuff. And so if you've listened this far, uh, I'm going to say you're kind of like one of our people. You kind of, yeah, you, 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 you know, some things you've heard some jokes, you've gotten to, to hear a little bit more of, of our journey as well. Yeah. And so if you want to go, uh, into a little more of that, if you want to be a part of what we're doing in our ministry, uh, join our inner circle mm-hmm. and our inner circle is the group of folks who, um, yeah, they're, they're listeners like you, but they also have invested in the ministry here. And so if you want to join the inner circle, you can join at www.patreon.com slash Nick Smith podcast. Yeah. You and can join for as little as $2, $2 a, a month. month. Um, you can go all, all the way up to a hundred dollars a month if you would like. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and what's really cool is last year we actually recorded an entire series mm-hmm. on sexual intimacy yes. um, with personal testimonies, talking, uh, talking and walking through our own brokenness uh, that we brought into our marriage yeah. and then how God has restored that and healed. And I really think there's a lot of that happening right now as um, couples sharing their testimonies. Yeah. And so if you want to be able to watch that, it's only available to our inner circle right, right now. Um, if you want to be able to go back and watch that and hear some uh, more in-depth 
uh, aspects of even what we talked about today, Mm -hmm. you can do that. Just $2 a month. Yep. And if you want to invest in any other tier, you can do that as well. We, uh, we thank you so much for listening. And if this episode has added value, please share it with somebody, um, like it, uh, submit, submit, don't submit. Submit a review. How about that? Oh, submit a review on iTunes. You can review us. Give us five stars, please. please. We would love it if you would do that. It would help other people to see the podcast as well and enjoy it. Yes. Yeah. This has been the Nick Smith Podcast. We hope you've gotten a dose of real life. No myth. Be, Be blessed. blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Nick Smith Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us, and we hope that you'll consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Don't forget to rate and share this podcast. And if you haven't already, follow us on social media. If you want to be a part of our family's mission to entertain, educate, and empower others, please consider becoming one of our Patreon supporters. Exclusive Nick Smith merchandise is available to you through our online store at www.nicksmithpodcast.com.